We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 260. Scott, the Yankees swept the Canadian baseball team. We celebrated 98. It was a a good weekend overall. It was a very good weekend overall. There were were less Blue Jay fans in the stadium this time than than last year, or two years ago even. Was it the Blue Jays that we played in the 96 celebration as well? I believe that was Tampa. uh, Because I know we had it during one of our... Our, our Bronx Pinstripes writers' outings. I think I think I'm confusing one of the games because I know one of those games was a Blue Jays game, and there were like, you know, this was two years ago, and there were three. You know, I think I think that was 2015. Three years that, ago, that was the first year I think the Blue Jays were were decent. Um, and didn't the Blue Jays win the division in 2015 after the Yankees were leading the division for much of the season? Uh, they kind of the Yankees fell off in 2015 in the second half. That's when they lost yeah. to the Astros. And that was when all of the Blue Jays fans came out of the came out of the woodwork. Brand new hats, brand new crisp jerseys. Never seen I mean, them before. White, so white. The jerseys were so white. There was not not one stain on them. They almost had the creases on them from like the packaging. No mustard stains. No nothing. Yeah. So uh, there was there was a lot less of that this year, which which I thought was very interesting. So I think they've uh, they've gone back into hibernation, and the uh, the Blue Jays all, all the all the gear has been put away. So. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The, the the offense shows up. It's 
you know, when we have these events, it's when the offense shows up, it's just that much more fun because you have a bunch of people there um, hanging out and cheering for the team and, uh, when there's home runs. And Andujar almost gave us a nice little prize and, and hit one right at us. So that was pretty cool. It was a lot yeah, of about five rows short. We were in the first couple rows of the left field upper or second deck and Duhar's home run went went right before that. But yep. uh, it was a it was a good day. It was hot as hell. So we're two for two now on just dreadfully hot days for these reunion games. Next year is going to be interesting. It's going to be the 20th anniversary of the 99 team. Um, I'm assuming they're going to do the same sort of thing, right? Or it's the 10-year gonna... anniversary also for the 09 team. So uh, do, we, do oh. we parade out two squads? What, what happens here? Interesting. That does, is, yeah. does A-Rod get celebrated in the stadium <laughs> for 09? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of... It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because... Uh, they'll have to probably do it on two separate days. Well, would you? Um, what do you care more about? Celebrating the '99 team, which is essentially uh, most of the players that we already have celebrated '96 and '98, and then we're going to celebrate again for t- 2000. Right. Or do you want to see those '09 guys come back for the, for a 10 year reunion? I mean, some of them are still playing. A lot um, of them, yeah. Some of them are definitely still playing. Some and, of them are still on the team. Gardner, yeah. David Robertson, uh, Sabathia. I mean, it maybe those. I mean, all three of those guys, in theory, could be off the team next year. Yeah. So, I, I, I guess '09 would be more fresh, like because we've seen a lot of the guys in '99. But uh, it's an embarrassment of riches in the late '90s. So these guys just keep coming back and, and strolling in on these golf carts. For uh, you know the guys that are lesser known are the ones that are really looking forward to it now. I think. Well, they've they're got like, else. hey, yeah, and they're like, I was on this team for one year. You know, this right. is beautiful. Let's go back. Um, David Cohn yesterday was feeling the effects of the '98 uh, party. I guess on Saturday night he was pretty hungover in the booth. I'm not sure he can take another one next year. <laughs> well, I, as long as Boomer Wells doesn't come into town, I think oh, yeah. he'll be okay. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think we have a little bit of a, um, a hazing situation with Boomer Wells and David Cohn, where, where Wells comes in and just just totally wrecks Cohn for a weekend. Well, this is what I see. This is how I see these guys. First of all, first of all, they need to write a book about their escapades because that would be the best baseball book, and it would probably have not much to do about baseball. But the, uh, the way I see it is, is like when you go and you're hanging out with your buddies from college, there's only one way you know how to hang, how to hang out with those guys. And you start drinking and, and then things just get out of hand because that's how you know them. That's, that's how you've hung out with them when you were, when you were friends with them uh, in school. I think it's kind of a similar way. I think these, guys, these two were, uh, were up to a lot, of, uh, a lot of adventures in the city and, and, did, uh, and just hung out quite a bit. You know they're good friends. They always talk about it. Um, so... It's. Uh, I don't think they know how to act around each other any any other way. You're ta- so two grown men who were yeah. professional athletes in the yep. late '90s who were on the greatest team to ever play baseball and to win a championship. These guys yep. don't know how to hang out with each other other than boozing their ass off. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Especially because Boomer Wells is, uh, you know, going around and promoting this this new uh, this new whiskey, Screwball whiskey. He's been promoting it everywhere. So I don't know. You know how much of a stake he has in this thing, but that's uh, he, he's been all over the place. I mean, I mean, social media, they're lining up shots of whiskey, the two of them. <laughs> the, I don't know if that was the night before or two nights before, but I mean, they were going out and they and they did a funny thing on the 98 celebration on the golf carts. Like they both acted like they were, you know, like dying. They threw their arms back and like acted <laughs> like they were going to like pass out on the golf cart. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, you could tell me that this screwball whiskey company only is paying Wells in shots, and I would believe that he would sponsor them because he's just getting free booze. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, I mean, that would be part for the course, I think. So, 
Yeah, it's it's just funny. They really do need to write a book though, because these guys, I think they're hilarious together. They're uh, and and just when they get together, it's I'm sure it's uh, nothing but nothing but fire. I don't know if you could corral the, those two minds to write a book. What I think you need to do is you just need to trap them in a room for like eight hours, press record on a tape recorder or on a podcast, and just see what happens. I'm not saying that they need to write the book. I'm saying that they need to go in that exact <laughs> they room. They can't get their thoughts together. No, no, no. Yes, they can. You just give them another bottle of whiskey, put them in that room, and then put a writer in there as well, and just uh-huh. make sure you you do record everything, and that somebody else ghostwrite the thing, and then they'll just sign off on it. That's it. Maybe maybe they don't even sign off on it. You no. get them to sign it while they're drinking, <laughs> because uh-huh. the, because that way the book will be really good. So, what did you think of the actual celebration itself? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was cool to see the guys there. Uh, but when we're comparing the '96 celebration to what they did in uh, this this past weekend, I thought it was a little bit less. I didn't think it was as, um, and maybe that's just because you know I saw the '96 one. And it's a, it is a lot of the same guys, but it's also a lot of new guys too. But the way that they did the golf cart thing, I didn't really like. Uh, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, in '96 the '96 one they they had them come out from like center field and they did kind of like a, a little bit more of a focus on the player itself. Um, and, and then you, uh, you, you saw them what well, they went to their position. Right. And it was, I yeah. don't know, it was a little bit more of a, of a show, I think. And I think it was a little bit better. Well, what I think maybe you, maybe what happened after that 96 one is some of the players were like, I'm not doing that again. It was 110 degrees. I'm not, probably sta- true. I'm not standing out there in the beating sun. I, my body cannot take this anymore. Well, and then, you know, going all the way from center field to your position, I mean, legitimately on that day, <laughs> you, they were, they were probably sweating through the, uh, whatever, whatever they had underneath the Jersey and then into the Jersey. Cause it was freaking hot. Yeah. And then yesterday or uh, on Saturday it was hot, but um, it wasn't as hot as the last one. It was, uh, but but yeah, I could t- I could absolutely see them saying, "I'm not doing that again." Give me a golf cart and let's go. I think what needs if they do it again next year for '99, somebody needs to get on the mic and and say something in the stadium because yeah, yeah we had the videos from Jeter and Scott Brocious. Both of those guys couldn't be there. Um, Brocious, third base coach for the Mariners. Jeter, um, I guess he's busy with uh, with the last place Marlins, but. Somebody like get give Boomer Wells the mic and just let him riff for a couple minutes. In yeah, the see, the Yankees aren't giving Wells the mic though. That's the thing that they need somebody safe. Uh, Cone, Cone is at least responsible. Uh, Paul O'Neill. I mean, these guys are used to talking on TV. They can they can say something, right? Because um, we hear John Sterling and Michael Kay all season, a hundred times a year, hundred plus times a year. I don't need to hear them read a, a script again. I would much rather them do their shtick, do their thing, read all the stats, all that crap, and then let me hear one of the players talk for a couple minutes. Just tell tell one story from the 98 season. Um, because if you're there in the stadium, all you see is them all you see is them waving on the golf carts. Like and and, right. and that's it. I think actually on TV you get to see a little bit more because you get the close-ups, you get to see the interactions down in the infield when they're all standing there. Like where we are in the outfield, you can't really see what's going on in the infield between those players. All you're, all you're looking at is is numbers on the back. No, that's true, and I'm sure the Yes Network had like more additional clips as well for for some of the guys, and uh, I don't know like you know exactly what they play, but you're right. I think in the stadium they they didn't really take into consideration as much the the uh, the fan in the stadium for the event because of that and and you know unless you're unless you're field level it's, it's, you're seeing people on a golf cart like you, you can barely tell who they are right. i mean you know what i mean like you're not you, you can't see what they're doing um but 
Yeah, so I, I think on TV, it was probably better. It's like watching football. Like To me, football is way better on TV than it is in person. And this was probably the same event. And same also, uh, final thoughts from the celebration day. Where's Ricky Leday? Where's, where's Joe Girardi? Well, no, they, they could not track down Ricky Leday. Oh, they literally couldn't track they him couldn't down. couldn't track him down. That. They invited him. They couldn't track him. Oh, wow. He's ghosting the Yankees. <laughs> he's, That's he's, a bold move. He is MIA Ricky Leday. We should, maybe we should get a, maybe we should get everybody in our audience that we should get a BP crew little investigation going here and yeah. find Ricky Leday. Yeah, uh, I don't he know. Was, if you know, Ricky Leday's a, he was a big part. He was a, you know, everybody had a lot of hope for Ricky Leday as a prospect coming up. Yeah, rookie, rookie, him and Shane Spencer, the rookie sensations. Yeah, so we need to find him. Let's do that. Let's do that. I think everybody needs to get on this. Let's uh, let's let's look for Ricky Leday on the internet. Um, it was a fun day overall, though. Um, great seeing everybody at the event, at the pregame party. Once again, the pregame got a little bit away from me. Happens every time. Maybe, maybe next time will be the one where I control myself, but uh, that time will tell. But uh, we are going to give away one of the 1998 uh, T-shirts that we, that we made, as we said last time. So why don't you read the review that won it? All right, so again, if uh, you won this, this is uh, by Chef underscore Resnick, uh, and it says, "Wish you what what you wish for, what you wish your friends were like." Growing up in Westchester, I've known a lot of Yankee fans, but not many of them could talk baseball like these two. The show has made me a better fan from the sunniest to the grayest of days. It also turns out that my friends who are true fans listen to the podcast, so our conversations are pretty much offshoots of what the show is, and it makes me appreciate it even more. Keep up the good work, and go Yankees. So thanks, uh, thanks Resnick, Chef Resnick. I assume you're, you're some sort of chef. Uh, appreciate it. Shoot us an email uh, at info at Bronx Pinstripes, and I will make sure to get you the, uh, the 98 t-shirt with Mo on the front of it. Um, and, and yeah, thanks guys for your, for your re- reviews and ratings. It does help us out quite a bit in iTunes and helps us, uh, get the show out to more Yankee fans. And that's kind of our goal. So, uh, if you have not taken a, a minute and, and just given us a five-star rating and review, uh, please do so. It, it really, uh, really helps us out and we, we truly do appreciate it. And the final regular season BP crew event is going to be September 15th. That's a Saturday, also against the Blue Jays. And that's a good thing if you want to see the Yankees win because the Yankees have dominated the Blue Jays uh, all season. Uh, but, yeah, but it's uh, $64. You get a T-shirt. Pre-game party currently is scheduled for 2 o'clock at the dugout. Uh, I say currently because that game is a flex game. Um, it's most likely not going to mean much. The Blue Jays suck, and the Yankees uh, hopefully will have something wrapped up by mid to late September. So that, that could be moved up to a 1 o'clock game, or it could be a 4 o'clock game. Either way, um, we're going to be pre-gaming in the Bronx. So go get your tickets now. They are on sale. All right. Did, well, first of all, didn't you just pay attention to what happened yesterday? The Yankees got back into single digits, so that means that game will mean something. Right, because the, it's 9 and yeah, a half. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're, making, they're starting the run. And uh, and Chris Sale going on the DL, things are starting to happen in a bad way in Boston. It's gonna right. it's gonna be like a domino effect. We do have a mailbag question about that, so uh, that's a good tease for that. But uh, as I said, Yankees are twelve and four against the Blue Jays this season, and they've outscored them ninety to fifty five. So what is it about the Blue Jays uh, that the Yankees can just totally dominate them that they cannot do against teams like uh, Baltimore, Tampa, and some of these other crappy teams we've seen them not play so well against? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the pitching in Toronto right now is just abysmal. <laughs> oh yeah, and the pitching in Baltimore is just well, no, out. the pitching. I mean, there's there's no doubt the pitching in in Baltimore is is not good either. But they score more runs, and, and I don't know. Toronto just seems like they've uh, besides that that Justin Smoke game, which is the, really the one that stands out to me. That that's really the one that aggravates me the most. Um, it seems like the, the they just are they have their number for whatever reason. But uh, the pitching's been terrible in in Toronto this year, and, and that was one of the. One of the, the things that they were looking at, I think, for maybe being sneaky good with, with Stroman and Sanchez, you thought, and Hap, you know, who has, a, has a, a potential shot at winning 20 games at this point. He's got 14 wins right now. So, you know, they, you look at what the names on their rotation, you thought that they were going to be uh, good. And, and we've talked about this. Uh, Arden Zwelling, who was the, uh, the beat reporter for, uh, for the Blue Jays, who came on the show early in the season as we were doing a preview, kind of talked us into them being almost players or potential like, you know, spoilers in the, uh, in the AL East. So I think on paper before they, they had a, a team, but for whatever reason, it just has not worked out. I know they've had a ton of injuries. Um, so Yankees have just had their number. I think it's just, uh, just as simple as that. Yeah, and as you said, the Yankees um, now are in striking distance, nine and a half games behind Boston. I say that sarcastically because I do not think they're in striking distance. Um, but Boston has um, has some worries with the sale stuff. So uh, I guess if the Yankees play lights out over the next month, they could make those games towards the end of September interesting. But uh, what I'm really looking at is that the Yankees now have a four-game lead over Oakland and seven-and-a-half game lead over Seattle. Those six games when they go west are still going to be super important just to see how they play against those teams because they're going to either play, I think, Oakland or Houston in the wild card game. We know how they've played already against Houston, but that was back in May. Uh, when you don't see a team from May all the way to October, it's just a totally different animal. It's a totally different thing. And Houston has their own problems of their own right now. They've struggled in August, kind of like the Yankees. Verlander is not the same guy he was. Uh, when he was, you know, Cy Young favorite in the first couple months of the season. But uh, I think with Oakland playing the way they are, I mean, I think it's a real question. Would you rather see Oakland or Houston in a one-game wild card? I mean, I hate, I hate pointing at, at a team and saying I want to see them because it's, it's, it's just like a, a recipe for disaster because it never works out that way. You know, some, Oakland, Oakland is the team that they, they both worry me for different reasons, obviously. Houston, the talent is there. I think it's, it's far superior. And they have, you know, very, very deep starting pitching. Um, when you're looking at Oakland, they got nothing to lose. Like these guys are playing with house money at this point. They are a, a young team and just playing – uh, kind of out of their minds right now. So I, I feel like that's right now the way it stands, the more dangerous and hungry team. Whereas you have Houston coming off of a World Series and there aren't very many teams that, that can uh, you know uh, fight back from a World Series and, and get back there. That just doesn't happen very often. So you, you see the, uh, the, the kind of wild card, I mean, because they are, they literally are a wild card, Oakland A's, and they kind of they worry me because they got nothing to lose. And, and when you have a team with nothing to lose, like that's that's a dangerous team. Yeah, and I also think it it really depends on how the Yankees are playing when that time rolls around. Because if they're playing like they are now, I don't care who they play, whether it's Oakland, Houston, Seattle, Tampa, like it doesn't matter. They they do not look good uh, in many facets of the game, and and that's going to worry me, especially in one game wild card. But if we're talking in late September, Severino has kind of found his groove again, and the offense is healthy, then. I mean, I guess I'd rather see Oakland just because of the, the talent like that Houston has. But I'm confident if the Yankees can, can click again, they can beat anybody. No, they, they absolutely can beat anybody. Um, but 
Yeah, Oakland doesn't have the starting pitching. I mean, they're literally running guys out there that used to be Oakland A's. Now they're back to Oakland A's. Uh, what, Trevor Cahill and uh, Brett Anderson? Like, these guys are back now on the, the Oakland squad for whatever reason have kind of uh, had a, a resurgence. And I'm sure, you know, the youth and the fact that they're winning does help that. We saw that, I think, at the, in, uh, what, 2016 when all the young guys came up and, and, they, and they had that kind of late run, that late push uh, when, the, when the young guys were, were up there and playing well. You saw some of the veterans start playing a little bit better. But, um, uh, so that, that can definitely have an effect on players. Uh, but again, man, you know, like when you're talking about one game, it's really tough to say I want this this team over that team, um, especially if, if Verlander's not the same guy. But the thing is with 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 Houston is that they have so many, uh, they go so deep in their starting rotation that they could throw out two guys uh, at you in a wild card and, and you know just just empty the the canister if they wanted to um, to to try to beat you. So well, plus I have thing. bad memories of Houston coming to Yankee Stadium and uh, and winning the game in a wild the- card. Right, but that's the thing about the wild card game is that yeah, you 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 figure out everything on paper, and then like what happened last season, you throw it out two outs into the game because your starting pitcher is is struggling, and it's a one game do or die. So, right. who who the hell knows? Um, but before we get to Severino, who we we hope is going to be pitching uh, in that wild card game if the Yankees play it, I want to tell you guys about Sleep Number. Maybe you've considered a Sleep Number bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. But can you really afford another restless night's sleep? There's never been a better time to come to a Sleep Number store where all beds are on sale during the biggest sale of the year. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose the comfort and support that's right for you. It adjusts on each side, so it's the perfect bed for couples. You can actually feel how it contours to your neck, shoulders, back, and hips for more proper spinal alignment. And the new Sleep Number 360 smart beds are effortlessly comfortable. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to keep your sleeping keep you sleeping blissfully throughout the night. Does your bed do that, Scott? I bet it does not. Unless you have a Sleep Number, then it, then it probably does. Come in during the biggest sale of the year, where all beds are on sale. Plus, save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed now through Labor Day. You'll only find Sleep Number at any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. There are more than 550 stores nationwide. Just visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to, to find the store nearest you. We saw Severino pitch on Saturday. He had had seven bad starts in a row. We spent half the episode, last episode, talking about uh, trying to figure out what was wrong with him. Um, dove into some metrics on his fastball, not getting swings and misses. Is it mechanical? Is he tipping pitches? So uh, Severino, all eyes were on Severino on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think he uh, he definitely we saw the better Severino. I think we saw a guy that was that was in control early, uh, that looked like he had good stuff. I mean, the first two pitches I noticed were were ninety seven miles per hour. He came out firing, and, and you know I thought he looked good. The, the first inning was good, and I think that's what he needed. He needed a good first inning to to kind of try to get into his groove and to get some confidence. And, you know, there were a lot of positives from what we could see. And you look at the final line and you see the strikeouts there. Um, uh, obviously, you see the, him not going deep into the game and the pitch count got up. And, uh, but, but, you know, the strikeouts were there, so you're obviously going to have a higher pitch count. The, the problem I see still, and I don't know if this is necessarily a problem, but him just working through things, is, is, is that, you know, he's not, 
He's not getting rid of. The, he's not uh, you know closing an at bat out when he can. He's mm-hmm. still throwing a couple more pitches than than he needs to, or than he used than you know that we're used to seeing early in the season. So I think that's kind of the next thing is you know that confidence will come. He'll he'll I think get a, a little bit more aggressive with two strikes, um, and we'll start to see that pitch count get lower. Yeah, that's the put away. You know, the his ability to put hitters away was unreal in the first half of the season. Yep, and he struggled with that, and that's not just fastball. Swings and miss on the fastball. That's also swings and miss on his slider, especially. That's his put-away pitch. And his utilization of the changeup, which he did throw 13 times on Saturday, um, which is slightly more than he normally throws it. He had a big at-bat to smoke early in the game where he threw back-to-back change-ups, yeah. um, which, which I think is huge for him just from a confidence standpoint and a showing it standpoint. We always say that you know even if his change-up isn't his best pitch, he still needs to throw it and still need to prove to hitters he will throw it in a big spot. So if you put that into the players' minds, the next guys that go up there after smoke say, okay, I got to respect that changeup too. Yeah, you got to respect three pitches in that. And, and I think that plays off like one of the big stats that you were looking at last last week and that, uh, you know, I think you were, you were kind of seeing um, as, as an indicator of how he's going. And, and I agree, I think it is an indicator, but I, I think there's so many things to play into uh, the percentage itself, um, and that's that's uh, the whiff percentage on the fastball. They, you know, when we saw the changeup early in the game on Saturday, and the fact that he did throw that back to back to smoke, like you know, damn well smoke was not expecting two changeups, and and there was some good separation in miles per hour on those changeups. I, I want to say it was uh, mid eighties on that changeup, maybe like eighty six. Um, but I remember noticing how uh, the difference was when I was when I was sitting in the stands. And when you see that separation and you're throwing it for strikes, like that's nasty. And, and you're throwing it 13, I mean, uh, uh, 13 changeups in that in five innings. I mean, yeah, it's 100 pitches, but 13 changeups in five innings, that's a lot of changeups uh, to, to throw. And he started throwing them early, which I thought was important because he showed it early. So these guys had to respect it, you know, even after that smoke at bat, you know, after he threw those two, they had to respect it. So I thought it was a, a good start and I'm glad he used those pitches. Yeah, and small sample, just one start, but he was back to getting 21% whiffs per swing on his fastball, which is what he was in April and May. June was off the charts at 27, but 21% is much more of a the Severino we're used to seeing than the 13% he was getting in July and August. So I know it's only one start. It's only 100 pitches, but it's encouraging. Yeah, I mean, but we've seen a couple of these starts sprinkled in with, you know, like a bad one too. So there's there's absolutely, you know, a, a life there. Like he's showing the the guy that he was in flashes. And that's why I think that th- that's why I've I've always just said that this is a mechanical thing because when you can come in and out of it, you know, it's it's like you're you're repeating what you're supposed to do in certain cases and then not doing it in in, in other cases and that's when you kind of go off the rails. But the fact that he's throwing that change up again early on is just showing me that that you know, that's a that was absolutely part of the game plan, showing the change up early so that, that he can get more swings and misses on that fastball too. Because if you're throwing a change up, you know, 13 times in 100 pitches, that fastball, you know, at 97, 98 miles an hour is going to feel like 103 because you have to respect both. And, and the guys just aren't going to be able to catch up to it. And, uh, and, you know, I think when he starts locating a little bit better and spotting that fastball better, um, you know, then we're going to start seeing more swings and misses and we'll see the pitch count get lower because he's going to be putting guys away. Uh, you know, at a at a at a faster click than he did on Saturday. That's the next step we need to see him take is lower the pitch count, get deeper into the games because he is the the starter of the five that the Yankees need to rely on to give them seven innings. 
every starter can't go out there and just give them four, uh, four to five innings, which is what happened over the weekend. I know they won all of the games, but Lance Lynn couldn't get out of the fifth inning. Severino could not get out of the He went five plus innings, couldn't get out of the sixth inning. And then the same thing for Hap, couldn't get out of the sixth inning. So it puts so much strain on your bullpen. Yeah, well, I agree with that. The, uh, the, the, the strain got lessened a little bit with the, with the luck you know, on Friday night with the rain. This is the first time we actually had some luck with rain, uh, getting that, that win with the, the rain-shortened game. And, and it came at a really good, really good time because Lynn did get in trouble early. So you know, I, I thank the, the rain gods for that one. It's about time you gave it back to us for something good. Uh, but but yeah, you know that's you want to see him get deeper. But uh, but again, and and you know Toronto's a they they still can hit the ball. They'll score runs on you. They they have um, you know a relatively good offense. So it's not like they went out there uh, and he did this against uh, just a completely stagnant offense. I, I think that you know it was a good test, and, and he he definitely uh, he definitely showed some of the uh, the good stuff. And I'd say better more of the good than than the bad, which is uh, definitely a positive note. Next start against Baltimore next weekend. Yeah, and again, they're, they've been putting up a ton of runs too. Even though they're not the same team, they have been putting up runs on on, road, on some good teams. I don't, right. know how, I don't know how to explain that, but they are. Well, now that uh, Manny Machado, the clubhouse cancer, is off the team, it's true. Yeah, he's just he's just <laughs> killing killing teams in uh, in Los Angeles. Good thing. Uh, good thing we have the best short or the the best third baseman in the game right now. <laughs> best offensive <laughs> third baseman. That's true. Uh, yes, he's very good at offense. Uh, Thursday's loss to the Rays. So the Yankees, before they swept the Blue Jays, dropped a series to Tampa, another series to Tampa. Thursday's game put it up there on the list, top five worst losses of the season, because they load the bases in the ninth inning. They're down two runs, load the bases with no outs. You get Greg Bird, Gardner, and Romine up there. You have them on the ropes. They go back to the bullpen. Romo was in. He couldn't get it out, couldn't get uh, out of the ninth. They go to the bullpen. First pitch to Greg Bird pop up, and right then and there, I'm like, oh, this inning is going down the toilet. The uh, you know first pitch at bat, there were there were a lot of people killing Bird for the uh, swinging at the first pitch, and when you have the bases loaded like that, you know the chances are the pitcher's going to try to get ahead of you, especially when you're a guy that's struggling. So, you know, I'm not I'm not killing him as much for for uh, for not taking that pitch because I think when you have a guy like Bird who's trying to get going, he needs good pitches to hit, right? And if you if you know that there's a good pitch coming at you, or there's a high percentage that there's a good pitch coming at you right now, and it's probably going to be a fastball. I don't really have a big problem with him swinging at that pitch. The I mean, the execution was terrible. It was absolutely bad. When you are swinging at a first pitch with the bases loaded with a guy. Uh, you better damn well make some good contact. You better hit that ball. And and you know with the with the with the crappy contact and the little foul out, it was a it was a bad look, and then made a lot of people question the decision. You know if he squares up that ball, obviously nobody's saying a damn word. But um, so I don't have a huge problem with the the first pitch swinging. That being said, like you got to execute on that play. Well, it's a, yeah, it's one of those um, catch twenty two situations where Greg Bird is struggling. So do you want him to go up there and be aggressive and just? get a pitch to hit and put a good swing on it? Or do you want him to read the situation and say, this guy is in a ton of pressure. This is the first pitch he's throwing with the bases loaded. Make him come to me. Make him throw me my pitch. So yeah. it's like, what do, you, what, do you, uh, what do you want to do here? And Bird chose to swing. He chose to be the aggressor. It didn't work out. 
The thing I had the bigger problem with was his post-game comments where he's just kind of very casual saying, I'm happy to be here. This is the most games I've played all season. You know, I'm going to have five or 6,000 more chances at this thing. So, yeah, I popped up today, but I'll get them the next time kind of thing. Uh, whether that's how he really feels internally or not, which is a whole other issue, you don't friggin' say that after you just popped up with the bases loaded with the game on the line. Yeah, we were joking about this on Saturday. It's like some of the guys did go to the and were paying attention and taking notes when they uh, when the Jeter Media School went, was was in session and and everybody uh, when these guys were coming up and they have to go through all this media training and things like that that the Yankees tell them like Judge listened. That's that's Glaber Torres. He listened uh, and then he learned English also. <laughs> so he took it to the next level. He's the, he's hey, the Greg kid. Bird knows English. He's the kid. Yeah, Torres is the kid who's raising his hand with like a minute left in class, asking another question. You're like. Stop, please stop raising your hand for questions. You're Let already, you're already getting an A plus. Shut up. Yeah, now you're going to learn a different language. Thank you for making us all look bad. And then you get Greg Bird in there, who's uh, this Colorado kid, real, you know, a lot more laid back and just like, you know, I'm just happy to be here, man. And like, I'm going to go see fish next week. Like, this is everything's everything's going well. well you're going to get Seattle people. I mean, you're going to get uh, Colorado people hating you. Like, I got Seattle people hating me. Hey man, I got I got uh, some buddies that live in Boulder, and my brother now lives in Denver. So it's uh, it's definitely a huge music music scene. I've never my brother has not gone to more concerts in his lifetime than he has in like a year and a half living uh, in the last year and a half in Denver. So yeah, these guys love their their live music, which is fine. Um, but yeah, the, you know it's it's it's, it's definitely his personality because we've seen that, and, and it's not. It's very different than when Sonny Gray coming off the mound smiling. Sonny Gray's a newer guy to the to the to the to the Yankees, obviously, who was um, super highly touted. Greg Bird, I think expectations have definitely gone down a lot for Yankee fans because of the injuries, and, and I just don't know if people believe it anymore. Um, so you don't want to see that, but at the same time, it's also his personality uh, to to laugh things off. Like he's always been that joking guy, you know. In every 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 time I've heard him talk, he's joking about something. Yeah, but to have, for him to say I'm gonna have five or six thousand more chances, at it's a it. bad. It, no, you don't say that at that point. But it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily surprise me, right? But even like, what are the chances he has five thousand more at bats with the Yankees? I mean, it was it was an exaggeration. It was a. But the thing is, you know, it, 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 again, expectations are huge. I don't know. I've said this probably uh, you know a thousand times. When you have an expectation about somebody, the way that they're going to act or the way that they're going to do something, and then they don't meet that expectation, you get disappointed. And I think a lot of people are already in that disappointment phase for, for Greg Bird. So when he comes out and does something like this, it's like, okay, that's, it's almost like chalking. I don't know. A lot of people were upset with the way he talked. I just chalked it up to that's just his personality and, uh, you know, that's it. Right, and he's, he's like, this is the most games I've ever played in a season, which is a whole other issue with Greg right. Bird. But for him to, what does he think he's going to get a gold medal, gold star, just for going out there and playing? Like, right. That's not that's not how this works. Just that that's baseline. You are you are paid to go out there and play and perform, not just to go out there. Right. Yeah. No. He. I think the expectations when talking to the media should be a little bit higher on his uh, on the personal side, just so that there's not that that gray area of uh, oh gray area of um, of like what you want and how you're and how you feel about things. That's bad. I just realized that. Damn, Sonny, you can't catch a break, kid. Do you think Boone goes up to Bird after the game after seeing those comments and be like, "All right, listen, this is what you do. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. Let's play the tape back. You know how they watching that bat back. This is where yeah. it went wrong. This is where you swung at that slider in the dirt. Right. Uh, this is where you screwed up, kid. 
This is where they point out the Greg Bird postgame interview, and then they go to the videotape of the Aaron Judge, where he literally closes his eyes, pauses for like seven seconds, and then gives a response. Puts everybody and, to sleep. And put, Yeah, he just lulls you to sleep. He gives you the most boring answers you could possibly think of. And Jeter is sitting back with his legs up smiling at this kid, because that's exactly what he used to do. Uh, you know, we've talked about the mannerisms after, like in the postgame com- or conferences and interviews of Jeter and uh, and, and uh, Judge being so weirdly similar because they really are. Um, it's like they did go to the exact same school, but no, Bird Bird didn't listen, and that's fine because you know what? We've always we've all also said the same thing about Frazier, right? Like we want more personality on these teams, and and Bird is certainly that. He's definitely that that like jovial, uh, you know, funny guy in the in the um, in the clubhouse. He's got that personality, so. You know, you, you got to take it the good with the bad, I guess. Jovi only works when you're producing. And true. hey, maybe the solo home run late in the game on Saturday that we joked did not mean shit got him going because he hit the grand slam in his first at bat on on Sunday. So maybe Greg Bird's turning a corner. You know, I think he did hit. We talked about Sonny Gray trying to hit hitting rock bottom and then bouncing up when when Greg Bird was was struggling as badly as he did. And then, you know, you, you'd think that. The uh, you know he'd have some confidence on Friday night, um, getting that that walk. It was a big walk in front of Neil Walker, and, and just you know he he grinded it out in that bat. It was a good at bat. The the guys on uh, the broadcast were giving him credit, and then Walker goes up and hits that big home run. And when he crosses the plate, Bird's ready to. He's like, man, I'm I'm so excited. I'm ready to go. Like I'm pumped up. Gives tries to give Neil Walker a high five, and completely gets. Dissed, just just completely left him hanging. He continues the high five into the air and then runs off to the side and Neil Walker goes and celebrates. It was a bad look. It was a bad... The confidence could not have been there for Greg Bird after missing as badly as he has on the field at the plate and then completely getting shut down by Neil Walker, no less. Whiffing. Whiffing at the plate, whiffing, whiffing on his high five. Whiffing fives. with the high five. It was, a, it was a bad high five. If you have not seen this high five, go to the uh, go to any of our, one of our social medias and, and I posted a little... Uh, little clip of it with some with some uh, with some Bruno Mars in there too. <laughs> uh, so the the rain assisted win on Friday was actually a good thing because Lance Lynn struggled in the first, gave up four runs. He could not get through the fifth inning. But if you think about it, because it was only a seven inning game, technically that's like a seven inning start for <laughs> for the Yankees. So I'm looking glass half full here. Uh, Lance Lynn went seven strong for the Yankees on Friday. Yeah, comparable seven strong with an asterisk, but. I think the biggest thing that we see out of Lance Lynn is is uh, is the competitiveness after after he shows up and, and throws a ton of balls. He walked what three guys in the first inning, and then comes back and fights. And uh, that's what I love to see. We've seen so many of these guys that that have come in and just given up leads. Like I mean, Domingo Herman would give up the leads, and yeah, he'd fight back for a couple innings, but then it seems like they would get to him again. We've seen Sonny Gray just blow up in the beginnings and then never come back because he doesn't have a fighting bone in his body right now. Uh, but Lance Lynn, who is you know the the giant the the giant marshmallow man, the the Stay Puft six marshmallow five, man, six five two eighty, yeah, diesel. I need I feel like I need a Dan Patrick ding after that. <laughs> um, but you know he came back and fought, and, and uh, good for him. He threw right around a hundred pitches and and got deeper into the game, and the team needed him because he could have absolutely you know given up not not so much given up but just uh you know folded and given up a couple more runs and then you know Boone was going to go to the to the bullpen if he didn't rebound but he did rebound uh I think if the ball bounces a couple ways some of those walks don't score in the first inning but they did and he did walk them so you he got himself into trouble but 
you know, I give him credit because he did bounce back and, and fight back and, and uh, at least give the Yankees an opportunity to get back in the game. Lance Lynn looks like he smells like hot dogs. <laughs> just sweating hot dogs at all times. Sweating, sweating meat. Yes, but uh, I don't know. I, I can only the give man him so loves much credit. For, uh, 286.5, you love your meat. The first, the first uh, <laughs> inning was rough, four runs. It could have been better because it was a play uh, when only one run was in at the time. Gardner throws behind a runner. It was a one-hop throw to second. Glaber does not handle the throw. They would have had the runner out. That would have been the second out. Uh, with only one run in, and the next guy struck out. And I know you can't just assume what what uh, follows would have followed, but this could have been a better inning for Lance Lynn. It wasn't. I'm not totally excusing him. That was not an egregious error by Glaber, but it's a play that you want to see him make. He didn't make it. Uh, don't walk I, three guys. That's the bottom line. Yeah, don't, don't walk three, walk guys. three you, guys. You put yourself in that situation. But I think really the the I mean the the offense came back. They came back from four runs down. They had they had a lot of uh, big hits. Neil Walker three run shot uh, as you said. But but I think the really the 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 underrated star of this game was Chad Green coming in and pitching two lights out innings. He only threw eighteen pitches to get through two innings. That was the best Chad Green has looked in a long time. Yeah, and that's huge because we need Chad Green to be Chad Green. We need Chad Green to be the guy of 2017. Um, I think, you know, when we're looking at this, we've seen some greatness out of this bullpen this year, but we've also seen some some stagnation and, and definitely, I'd say, a decline from what we saw last year individually from these guys. S- certainly from uh, Tommy Canley, who's just disappeared into oblivion um, and then finally gets another opportunity on, on Saturday and looked not good. Um, but Chad Green coming back, I think, is a, is a very big a very big thing for the Yankees in that bullpen because of what the rotation is. And yes, they've, you know, with Lynn and, um, and Hap coming in, they've, they've definitely stabilized it. But, you know, if they're going to go deep, one, a healthy Severino, a, a right Severino, and then a very, and then they need a dominant bullpen because um, it gives them so many options if they were to get into any kind of trouble, you know, early into a postseason game. But Chad Green going two innings is, is definitely huge. So, yeah, that was a, a big spot for him. Yeah, those bridge innings, which we thought the Yankees' bullpen was going to be able to lock down no problem, the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings, has been a struggle for them in the second half of the season. Um, And it's a bigger reason as any why this team has struggled. And now you can say, well, if the starting rotation didn't make them pitch in those innings every single night, maybe they would be better. And I agree with you. But what we saw in the first half is when Severino wasn't pitching because he was the only one going deep in games, they were able to lock down the fifth and sixth innings with Holder, Green, Robertson, um, et cetera, in the first half. Yeah, I mean, and, and look at what's happening lately, too, is that, you know, we're not seeing the, the Domingo Herman and Sonny Gray, like, two to three inning blow-ups and the bullpen yeah. having to come in and throwing seven, eight innings. Demoralizing starts. Yeah, we just haven't seen that in a while. So the innings are definitely getting cut down, even if these guys are going into the sixth inning or, or you know, going five, which I'm not going to say is a, is a good start. Like, I, I want my starters to go at least six innings. Like, that's that's kind of a, um, one of the, one of those demands I like, I would put on my starters. Like, six innings, this is what I need from you. That's Well, it depends on the starters because if Sabathia goes it's out there. It's not CC. CC does not count in one. Okay, but about. Sabathia or Lance Lynn goes out there and gives you five innings and only a couple runs, and you're either tied or, or run up, run down. You kind of just take that and say thanks. But when it's Hap and it's Tanaka and it's uh, Severino, those three guys right now need to be giving them more than five innings. No, I agree with that. But, I mean, when you're walking into the, the start, you need your guys to have the mindset of six innings 
plus. Six innings okay. plus. I need sure. six innings. Mindset and... and uh... Well, I mean, Lance Lynn's done it, except for this one time. And, and I think it was because but he no got one, into but trouble Lance early. Lynn was brought in here to be ins- an insurance policy, which they had to cash in a week later. Because... Yeah, but now he's our stopper. Now he's the Now he's, the, no, the he's not the stopper anymore. Now, now he's Justin called, Verlander you know of 2017. Like, this, this, we... is, this is the guy. Maybe we call him the bouncer. The bouncer, I like that. The stopper and the bouncer. Could you imagine trying to get into a bar with CeCe and Lance Lingard in the door? You're not getting in that door, bro. No. Not getting in the door. You got to go low. You definitely got to go low. Who wants to go in a bar that smells like hot dogs? (laughs) A lot of, (laughs) most bars do smell like sweat, meat sweat. (laughs) Uh... Uh, why haven't the Yankees picked up an outfielder? This is a question that I cannot figure out that every Yankees fan is asking when they see Shane Robinson and his 120 batting average playing right field again. Uh, I know Neil Walker was out there on Saturday, but we've He's seen, been out there a lot, though. He's, but Neil, Neil Walker, Walker's been out there. Uh, Neil Walker hit the three-run homer on Friday. He gives you something offensively great. But we also saw that he's an infielder playing the outfield because that ball he misplayed on Saturday in that five-run sixth inning for the Blue Jays could have been a huge point in that game. He comes in and he can't get in front of a line drive. It goes past him and all three runners score. They're playing a, a, a second baseman slash third baseman in right field. And it's showing. And their other option is Sugar Shane Robinson, who I don't even think belongs in AAA. Like, put him, <laughs> it, put him in Staten Island. Like, that is where he belongs. That's the type of hitter he is. What are they now? The Pizza Rats? Are they the Staten Island Pizza? Yeah, I think they rebranded. I remember. Remember, there was a competition to to pick the new logo for the Staten Island Yankees, and I think they went with Pizza Rats. I think that's it. See, that is that is a viral sensation gone yeah. wrong. And there's because... literally a uh, a slice of pizza with a rat as their logo. And the, and the I, I'll give them credit on this: the branding for the box, beautiful. It's a pizza box as a, as the as the box for the hat. So that's a, a nice touch. I do like that. Is I it like where they're going than, with it. Is it better than the, the Tampa Tarpoons, which you the can, tar, the, the you definitely can doesn't look like miss, tar- miss say very easily into something else? It's not Tarpoons, though. It's, it's Tarpons, and it looks like, yes, it looks like something else. It looks like a, a feminine product <laughs> is what it looks like when you, when you look at the logo. Take a quick look at that logo and tell me you see Tarpons. Nobody <laughs> sees Tarpons. Is it really Tarpons? Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's it. And I, I got some, I got some, uh, some people closer to the team that, that definitely see the same thing I see. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but the, um, you know, the pizza rats are doing it. So anyway, yes, yeah, Sugar Shane Robinson does not belong in this team. Uh, I was wondering why the Little League was running on Saturday. Because when you see him from the stands out in the field, you're like, what, what's happening? Right. Is the bat boy running? Like, what's going on here? Did the, I thought the kids run the bases after the game. So, well, you know, this is a, so why did they get, not get a right fielder yet? I just, I, just, I think he's weighing opportunities, and I, I'm just assuming that the, uh, the right opportunity has, uh, has not come up. And you know what? To Neil Walker's credit, he has played a good right field besides that play. And the ball bounces differently in the outfield. It skips more than bounces. You know, he's going to get more of a Sunday bounce, I think, on the infield rather than the infield or the outfield will get more of a, a skip. Uh, and that's what happened to him. One under his glove, and, and it was a bad look. Maybe Cashman's still trying to track down Ricky Lede for right field. Hey man, you gotta you, you could try to re, rebuild or get that uh you know get that sensation back into uh, into the stadium late in the late in the season. Good things can happen. But we're not talking about replacing Neil Walker on the roster. He's still going to be there, still going to be right. playing. But Shane Robinson, like we said, does not belong on the roster. You could pick up Granderson, Danny Valencia, even Adam Jones cleared through waivers. You probably maybe don't want to pick up Jones because of his salary. 
But what is Curtis Granderson? Curtis Granderson is like a million bucks left on his contract. Yeah. You're telling me Curtis Granderson can't give them more than Shane Robinson? So the, I think one of the bigger things for me is what I don't understand is we've seen Tyler Wade play the outfield. They had him in center field quite a bit. And he, I mean, he's probably one of the best athletes in the organization. Like the, the kid can run. He, you could tell he's he's a um, one of the best. Um, people are touting him as the best shortstop defensively in the system. Maybe not next to to Didi, but you know, other than Didi in the system, he's he's got a great glove. Why why are they not trotting uh, Tyler Wade out there as that utility guy that that could play right field? I guarantee he could play right field. I'm probably I'm getting better at bats from Tyler Wade. It's at least a guy I want to see. He's faster. He can run the bases better. I don't know why we're not seeing at this point in the season Tyler Wade instead of Shane Robinson uh, coming up and taking that spot because you, there's more upside there. Bottom line, more upside. Well, now, we're going to see Tyler Wade, but it, now we it's, are. It's going to be because Didi's probably going on the DL. They haven't announced anything yet, um, but he left on Sunday with a deep heel bruise. Uh, if you look at the play, like as we were watching the play, Heel bruise is the last thing I would have thought that it was the injury that came out of that play and that collision at first base. But um, Boone said after the game, he's likely going to go on the DL. So probably going to see Tyler Wade. He's going to be up here playing some shortstop, playing some second. I think Glaber's going to get some time at, at shortstop as well. Um, so that and Therese, Therese, again, mm-hmm. you forgetting about Therese, who had another three hits yesterday, and all he does is John Sterling does, says all he does is hit. All he does is hit. John Sterling actually said, because I was listening to the game on Sunday, I have never seen him do anything wrong in the field. <laughs> Literally what he said. I have never true. seen him do. Any, well, I, no, it's you can't tell me that John Sterling has actually seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when Ronald Therese got picked off in game two of the ALDS last year? Yes, but that was not defensively in the field is what he was referring oh, to. Oh, defensively in the right, field. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay, and, so and why don't John we put him in right have, field? Let's John put, Sterling has a selective memory. Let's put the five foot two inch guy in right field. He could do Fine. better than, he could do better than uh, Shane right. Robinson. Who also is five foot two, by the way. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, but but I don't understand. Like, why is Tyler Wade not the guy to go out there? Why why is Shane Robinson? Because he's a, a a quote natural outfielder. He's not even a great outfielder. I've seen him play uh, a few balls terribly wrong. A, a line drive going over his head a, a few weeks ago significantly stands out in my head. Like, I don't I don't think he's a a plus defender. So why not have the more athletic guy with the upside? Uh, that that's uh, got a little bit of youthful exuberance that actually looks like a major leaguer in the uh, in the game instead of Shane Robinson. I don't understand that. You have to imagine every day Shane Robinson packs a suitcase on his way to the ballpark. Like this has got to be my last day in the majors, right? I mean, he's playing with house money, so I think he's just living in in, in the same T-shirt. I don't even think he's packing bags at this point. <laughs> he's living out of the clubhouse. Yeah, just you know, yeah, rotate the underwear, flip it inside out. Let's just go. All right, I want to give two stats um, comparing Andujar, not comparing them, but just a stat on Andujar and a stat on Gleyber Torres. So awesome Andujar stat. As of yesterday, he's driven in a runner from third base with less than two outs in 16 of 22 opportunities, which is 72%, which is uh, above, well above the league average of 50%. And he now leads all rookies in home runs, RBIs, and doubles. And he leads the American League rookies in hits and runs scored. So I think at this point, very easy, clear path to rookie of the year. Yeah, the the thing is, is though, if Torres can can get back to to form and start, and I totally expect him to get back to form. I think he's he's you know he's definitely in a in a in a bad slump at this point. But there's been signs this weekend. He he had a a pretty good series, and there's signs of him coming out of it. If if Glaber Torres can put together a, a you know two week span of 
of being red hot like we've seen in the past. Like this race is right back neck and neck. Um, it's not that far off right now for you look at the numbers and yeah, Andujar has been phenomenal. I mean, just like unbelievably good, especially since the all-star break. Um, he's been so good. And I think he's, he's really grown a lot, which is, you know, so important for the Yankee franchise and the brass to see how he's progressed offensively. You know, we're not seeing the defensive stuff, but I've always thought that like defense, you're really not going to get much better until the off season at that point. But whereas offense, you can, you can kind of make in season adjustments, a little bit more easily, but I think we're, you know, a week, a hot streak uh, of a, a long week or a good hot streak from Glaber Torres for this thing being neck and neck again. And I think maybe we're seeing him start to come out of it. Six hits in his last four games. This is a stat from ESPN that um, on inner half pitches, Glaber in the first uh, before July 1st had a 1.098 OPS on inside pitches. So he was mashing that inside pitch. And since then, he's only OPS of 562. So you could clearly see where his struggles are coming from. Pitchers are attacking him inside. He's not able to turn on the ball. Maybe the hip injury is not fully healthy. Maybe he doesn't have full strength, mobility. Who knows what it is? Could just be rust. But that, that is, I think, uh, some of the roots of his, his struggles since he came off the deal. I like in the notes how you wrote in here how he may be snapping out of it because that's that's the uh, the key word for Judge in his new in his hitting coach right snap the, the snap effect getting that snap making sure that the hips are are coming through and loading early and then snapping in uh, when the ball is there so that they can have the the barrel of the bat and, and I think that could be something to it like when you're looking at the hips um, you know coming back from a hip injury you're probably going to have some tightness. Uh, you know, getting back to the the range of motion, the flexibility in the hips can absolutely, you know, affect you. Uh, turning over on that inside pitch, uh, again, more of that could be um, more scouting too. He might be getting more inside pitches that are, uh, that, you know, potentially there there is more tape on him now. So, you know, maybe pitchers are seeing something a little bit uh, to exploit. So there's adjustments that have to be made, but I do think the hip injury could absolutely play into it. It makes sense uh, for for that type of struggle. But you know, now we're seeing maybe more range of motion. He's getting a little bit back into baseball shape and, and he's starting to hit the ball. So his confidence is certainly getting a little bit better. Um, but he's one of those guys in the in the postgame interviews who's definitely very hard on himself and knows that he, you know, he, he talks about how he expects better and, and should be better. And I love that. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear that from a young guy. And he's saying all the right things at the same time. We saw some of the lack of hustle plays from Glaber, some of the loss of concentration plays. Do you think maybe he let his struggles at the plate bleed into the field, and that's why we saw some of that stuff? Probably. I mean, I'm sure that plays into it a little bit, but we also saw that early when he was doing well, too. I think some of that is just... We never saw lack of hustle, though. Uh, yeah, the lack of hustle thing is... It's, again, uh, like I think sometimes he gets caught deer in headlights looking at some certain plays. I don't think it's like an internal lack of hustle, because I think that kid hustles all the time when, when he's, you know in the game, like mentally in the game. I don't think there's ever really a lack of hustle in him. He just doesn't come across to me as that, that type of guy. Um, but I, I think there's a focus thing, you know, a youthful focus issue occasionally where, where his mind drifts and is not always as sharp as it should be in game or in situation. So I think that's, you know, the, the mental maturity will, will definitely come with the, uh, the in-game stuff. I think that's more to it than, than really a lack of quote hustle. You think you saw something shiny in the stands or, or whatever? Yeah, something or, you know, counting the dandelions, you know, the Little League World Series is out there. So you've seen those uh, some of those kids, you know, throw dirt bombs in the right field. Glove on the hat. <laughs> just just picking dandelions yeah. out there. Yeah. Weird week for the Yankees. They have Monday and Thursday off. They play Miami in Miami. Two games. Derek Jeter's current Miami Marlins. Giancarlo Stan's old Miami Marlins. Um, 
He's Stanton's probably going to play right field. They said he's going to play right field at least one of the games. His legs look fine. They had him steal a base on Sunday. Yep. So I, I could really see them playing him playing two games. Uh, you know he wants to play. It's in Miami. He's going back. Certainly. It's going to be the, the regular, the, the regular 3,000 Marlins fans plus 40,000 Yankee fans there. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, Stanton definitely wants to play. We saw him uh, this weekend, too, tag up on a ball from second to third. So he's been running a lot more, I think. Um, and showing that that he can do it, but you know they're still going to be careful with him, and I think they absolutely need to be because and don't let this whole Miami thing, you know, force them into a bad decision just because it's you know his old team. If they think that you know there could be a potential of reaggravation with him playing the field, or if they see anything, I really hope that they they hold him back because that would be a devastating loss to this team right now. The way that they're going, and, and they've been winning games. We, we're seeing this team win games right now. And they looked a lot better in the Toronto series. The offense looked a ton better. So you were starting to build, I think, uh, a little bit of momentum offensively. And it would be, it would be a devastating loss if, uh, if Stanton were to you know, re-aggravate that hamstring and, and, uh, and go down for in, you know, whatever period of time. Any period of time would be demoralizing, I think. Yeah, because even though they have two off days this week, after that they have a long stretch of games, including yeah. a doubleheader against right. Baltimore. The I've, hopefully, knock on wood, the last doubleheader of the season. Um, one of those makeup games against Baltimore over the weekend, and then a long stretch of games. So you cannot take another injury. No, uh, and let me tell you one thing: you cannot also do if you're looking to hire somebody, you can't go around and waste your time going on all sorts of job boards. Uh, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stack of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. Uh, the ZipRecruiter, it sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, uh, but they don't stop there. It's super effective. 80%, 80% of employers who post Zip, on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. That's 80%. Within one day, that's a crazy statistic. I know we all love stats, especially you, uh, you stat metric guys. The, uh, the, with results like that, there's no, there's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, if you're a listener to the Bronx Pinstripes show, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website address, which is ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. Go there to try for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx, B-R-O-N-X, ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Okay, let's get to mailbags. The first one is from Jason at Jason A five two five on Twitter, does Larry Rothschild need to go? The pitching this year has mostly been bad and is regressing. Couple couple stats for you. Overall, the Yankees Major League Baseball ranks for for pitching in two thousand eighteen. Fifth in team R, team ERA, thirteenth in starter ERA. Starter inning pitched is nineteenth, which is bad. Reliever ERA is third, which is great. Reliever inning pitch, 12th, which I was actually surprised about that it wasn't more. Yeah, you're saying the uh, 19th rank of starter innings pitches is, is not good. That's not a, not a good number to be 19 out of 30 is uh, right. bottom, bottom third. Not so good there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely fair to, to look at Larry Rothschild and say, you know, are you doing your job to the best of your ability? Are you making any kind of impact on this team? And I think it goes beyond just being the pitching coach. Like, I think there's a fundamental change of the way that Larry Rothschild likes to do things. And, and you know, the Yankees over the past couple of years with the, you know, the amount of breaking balls 
uh, that they're throwing. It's definitely it's definitely off of the um, the norm. You see more fastballs, I think, throughout the league, and, and you know Rothschild throws a, a high percentage of of breaking stuff. So, not only are you supposed to be out there, you know, coaching and, and making sure that you you see any flaws or help guys with mechanics and and do all the things that a coach does, but you're also you know, you're, you're changing game plans as well to, to, to what guys maybe aren't used to and, and just changing some things around. And if that's not working, then then it really comes hard down on you, I think. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're changing what they're doing and they're not doing well, then I think we're starting to look at you and say, well, what you're doing, what you're mandating them do is not working. That's on you. Um, you should be looking at what these guys do and, and what they do best and exploiting that and making sure that they're going out there and being their best pitcher, not so much your agenda. And, and I think that that's absolutely fair at this point. I, I think that um, because he's also a, 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 you know, a, a carryover into the new organization, right. he's certainly going to be on there. The yeah. only coach, the only main coach they kept was Rothschild. And the bullpen. Yeah, bullpen coach. We had So there are a couple, but yes, in the dugout, that's, that's the guy. And so you got to look at him, no doubt. Um, and in the second half, the Yankees have a four and a half team ERA, which is a full run higher than their first half team ERA. And, and you know, not that I'm saying, not that I'm saying he is to blame for Sonny Gray because he's not. I, I don't think he is. But they, they, you know, one of the things was he's throwing more breaking balls. He's he's kind of gotten off his game. Who was it, Brian Kenny or, or um, someone was talking to us about the uh, the amount of, of pitches that he's thrown? I think it was uh, Petriello. It was Petriello, that's right. And talking about the, you know, he hasn't thrown as many fastballs. He's not working as much off his fastball, and that's very different for Sonny Gray. You know, him working off of the curveball is, is a different thing for him. And, and yeah, I, I think Rothschild, if he's the one who's, you know, mandated that and, and changed the game, then there's absolutely some blame there. You gotta, you gotta put it. He's the, the pitching coach. The pitching is not performing. You gotta look at the pitching coach and, and you know, see what he's doing and, and audit his job. So, and also, yeah, it's fair. Totally, Sonny, Sonny Gray does not seem mentally tough to deal with those kind of changes, <laughs> right? So, so I think uh, Rothschild and the coaches need to realize what kind of personality they have, what kind of player they have, no doubt, and, and maybe make some of those changes to some guys that can handle it and and be a little bit lighter with some other guys. Yeah, and I, I think the pivots need to be quicker. Like if we're seeing something not work, and and I guess there's two ways to look at this. You want to make sure you give a game plan its fair shake and, you know, you can't just adjust after one start or, or even two starts. But if you're seeing, you know, three and four and five starts not working out the way that you want to, uh, you know, you don't you're not seeing the production that you want. You're not seeing the execution of the pitches or the game plan that you're looking for. Then you got to pivot. You got to be a quicker pivot and, and do something, you know, at least change it up to things, uh, you know, to, to if for no other reason to change up what you're doing and, and try to get back to a success, you know, looking at what he's done in the past as, as success. And, you know, we saw some limited success from Sonny Gray when he started doing the, uh, the two pitches and, and, you know, working off of that, that two seamer. But again, um, I, I absolutely think there is, uh, you know, some, some blame to go on Rothschild, but uh, Sonny Gray certainly <laughs> is mentally weak. No, we're not letting Sonny Gray off the hook. Next no, question is from sure. last man Stan at T Medinsky 10 on Twitter. Do you think the Yankees should keep Gardner next year or let Frazier take over? Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to say let Frazier take over at this point because you know, we don't know what his, what his uh, health is going to be like. I mean, this guy is definitely battling back um, and battling is even a, a hard word because he, he can't really do much. He's, he's, it's not like you can rehab a head injury. you you have to wait and you have to wait for things to be right. And there's no timetable on that. There's no, 
There's no rehab schedule. There's there's nothing really that you can do besides wait to see when you feel better. And unfortunately, when you're making plans into the future and you have a guy like that that has an injury like this that doesn't, you know, have anything that you can you can circle as a date of, of returning or, you know, when it will come back, if it will come back, it's hard to make future plans based around a guy like that, you know, with with the given circumstances. So, I think if the season ended today and the contract was up tomorrow, they would resign Gardner. Yeah, it's a twelve and a half million dollar option, um, two million dollar buyout. I agree. I think they're going to pick it up unless something drastically changes over the next month. But also for Frazier, this is—it's uh, a totally lost season for him. And what it also has done is it's killed his trade value because a team doesn't want to trade for a player that might have concussion problems. Um, it sucks for Frazier. It sucks that he has not been able to. Um, He's he's felt helpless. He he has yeah. talked about how he feels helpless because it's not a hamstring injury. You rehab it, you come back. It's a head right. injury. You can't really do anything. So his trade value is low. So also Brian Cashman's not going to move him in the offseason because you're going to get fifty cents on the dollar you would normally get. Right, and, and you know I think guys, I think teams would absolutely want to come in and, and trade for a guy like Clint, Clint Frazier and roll the dice on that. But you're, again, like you said, you're going to get fifty cents on the dollar. So they're they're coming in with a guy that that just has un, unknown expect you know unknown uh, circumstances and, and what the future is going to look like. So you're you're certainly not going to get what what he would deserve as a player because he's a very good player and he's proved that he could do it in the major leagues. And you know it's we talked about earlier about how the Yankees are. are you know, haven't gotten out, gone out and gotten an outfielder. You know, I don't know if, if some of this is just like in, in obviously not immediately because he would have to rehab and he would have to get some at bats and in, in minor leagues and stuff. It's just such a shame because, you know, this was a this was going to be a golden opportunity for Clint Frazier to really show what he could do on the major league level. And it's just it's just absolutely unfortunate um, that this uh, that this this injury and this uh, this head thing has has lingered on as long as it has. So. Um, I definitely feel for him as a, uh, as a as a as a person, but also as a baseball player, because you know it's it's really, really, really shitty when you see the opportunity wide open in front of your face and you just can't grab it. You can't do anything to do it, and it sucks. Okay, final question is from Fire Boone at Joseph underscore P seven. Do you think Sales shoulder will allow the Yankees to get back in the division race? I mean, it doesn't hurt. It certainly helps. I think you know there's going to be a lot more honest on on the uh, pitching staff that that is not very deep. Uh, in, you know, in Boston, we we've talked about in the past about how their uh, their minor leagues are are not they're not deep. They're not like a, a fruitful farm system, minor league system like the Yankees have. Um, not that they have that on the pitching side right now anyway, but the, so yeah, absolutely. When you lose a guy like Chris Sale, it impacts you every fifth day when he goes out there, Chris Sale will not be there. It'll be some other guy that's a lot more hittable and there's a much higher percentage chance of them losing that game. So yes. But I think what it's going to do, so they probably did not leave Sale on the DL long enough the first time around because he was on this for a couple um, weeks ago with the same issue and he came back and clearly still feeling some shoulder problems. If he is not fully healthy and dominant in the playoffs, then that totally changes the Red Sox season outlook in, in the playoffs. And in a short five-game series in the ALDS, which is what the Yankees are probably going to have to play the Red Sox in, well, then that becomes a totally different animal. And you don't nearly worry as much if you're facing Porcello and then David Price in those first two games instead of Chris Sale and then, David, uh, then uh, Porcello. I, I mean, I, yeah, that's true for sure. Because when you take Priscilla out of the, the equation, it's it's um, definitely better for the opposing team. That being said, Priscilla's had another rebound year. It's like this guy is uh, is is like every other year he does things that you don't expect. 
um, whether it's do well or, or do really bad. Uh, but he's definitely bounced back, and he's pitched really well against the Yankees. I mean, they made him look like uh, like freaking Cy Young his last at bat or his last outing when he threw what eighty some pitches, complete game. Like it was ridiculous. So you, the Yankees have not had success against them, and then uh, uh, they have had success against Price, obviously. But he pitched much better in his last outing against the Yankees. So I think they have guys that right now that are going well that can that can still you know hold them up and they can they can sustain it. But it's definitely a you know, something that's that's going to affect their team. You know, if this offense starts to struggle at all, and we just haven't seen that happen yet, it has not happened, and everybody keeps waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and uh, I, I still think at some point it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to sustain, but, you know, when you have a guy like Chris Hale out, you know that that guy's not there to stop any bleeding. So um, it's it's definitely an, an impactful uh, DL stint for sure. And what was it, dead arm last time you went on? And uh, now they're I saying... It was just sh- I think it was shoulder both times. Yeah, but they were talking about. I thought it was more fatigue. That was that was more the narrative of the because it was such a quick stint that they were talking more about fatigue. It seems like now it's um it's it's a little bit worse. Yeah, and maybe it's a good thing that the Red Sox have not gone through one of those struggles, and then it's going to come in the worst time for them, which is yeah. end of September, early October. That's what we all want, right? We all yeah. want disaster to happen. <laughs> we we <laughs> want we want like a train wreck to for them to lose like fifteen games in a row. I mean. Nothing could be better. All right, guys. Thank you for submitting mailbag questions. If you want to do so, you can do it at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. That is where you can submit the form and send us an email. Or you can do it in the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show, and tweet us at Yankees Podcast. Scott, anything else? Yeah, the uh, we don't have uh, voicemails this time because uh, there were a few of them and some of the connections were terrible, so we're not putting them up. Um, make sure you guys call in. We need you guys to bring the heat. I feel like in the past couple weeks, it's been a little complacent on the caller side. You know, when we're bringing the fire, we need you guys to bring the fire because it brings such a good element to these uh, these Monday shows. So put this phone number in your phone whenever you feel any emotion. I don't care what it is, good, bad, indifferent. Call the voicemail line and give us your best 15 to 30 seconds. 646-480-0342. Put it in your phone on speed dial. Call it whenever you uh, you feel like you need to say something so that we can get some uh, some fire hot takes at the end of, uh, of of these Monday shows from you guys. Because, you know, I love hearing them. And I know everybody who listens uh, looks forward to these voicemails. Sounds good. We will talk to you on Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.